He is more than a story. He is more than a comic book superhero. He is more than a symbol of hope. He represents our greatest aspirations. He is everything we think we can be. And yet, even with all the strength and all the power in all of the world, he may not be able to meet his greatest challenges and redeem his family's legacy. For he is the son of El. Chapter 26 Diplomatic Relations In his futile effort to initiate peace talks with Vandal Savage, Clark feared he had made matters worse. He was a bit ashamed of himself. By confronting Savage, he had both gone against his own leadership and put everyone else at greater risk in doing so. In the coming days after their conversation, nothing happened as a result. It seemed that Superman's visit had absolutely no effect on the dictator or his plans for war. At first, Clark was relieved when it led to nothing more. It was not his proudest moment. The Justice League didn't have to know about it, so he was happy not to dwell on it further. Later that week, when he finally had time to have dinner with Martha, Clark told her about what happened between him and the Kaznian president. Martha looked at it all with her usual calm, but when she learned of his relief that nothing bad had happened as a result, she advised him with surprising urgency. Just because nothing bad's come out of it yet doesn't mean the bad isn't still coming. It's better just to rip this band-aid off and tell your friends. Clark had heard this expression many times before, but it never held much meaning for him beyond the abstract concept. He had never worn a band-aid in his life, though he knew what she meant by it. He knew he was avoiding the painful part. It's just hard, Ma. I feel like I let them down, and they don't even know it yet. I know, Clark, but they're only going to be let down further if they don't hear it from you. Don't you think it's at least fair they know that this savage man has that kryptonite ray gun of his? Clark knew she was right, but worried it wasn't so simple. I honestly don't know where to begin telling them, especially after promising Batman not to share what I know about Savage being an immortal and all. Well, that is nonsense. Why would Bruce ask you to keep that tidbit to yourself? He's worried that if they knew Vandal Savage was immortal, it would lead to questions. It wouldn't take long before we'd have to explain the Lazarus Pits and Ra's al Ghul and all that. Well, that is dreadful, but I do agree. It's a bit much to explain. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. Bruce says just knowing about the pits is enough to drive people insane. If they didn't sound so downright unpleasant, I wouldn't mind giving my bones a soak in them. Though seriously, Clark, don't keep this conversation to yourself for too long. Clark knew Martha was right. The sooner he broached the subject with the others, the sooner he would be relieved of carrying the burden. Clark decided to ease into telling the others by going to Batman first. Compared to Martha, Bruce showed no surprise. I want to say I can't believe you did this, but I can totally believe it. In hindsight, it was typical of you. All we can do now is make the best of it. Use the intel. What about the others? Shouldn't we let them know what's going on between us and Savage? I don't see how your ill-advised and ineffectual conversation pertains to any of them beyond bringing undue stress. It's a moot point. Get over it. In the coming days, this advice proved itself adequate. The war marched along regardless of Superman and the Justice League. As skirmishes continued with little effect along the Kaznian border, 
Clark felt no urgency to inform the Justice League of his meeting with Savage. While there was little Superman could say on the matter, Clark Kent could use his voice as a reporter to advocate for the orphans of Kaznia. He saw them as victims deserving justice. That summer, he wrote about them in his column, but he could not have imagined the backlash that he would receive from it. Soon, Clark Kent was the recipient of several death threats sent to the Daily Planet. Just receiving the threats boggled Clark's mind. When he confessed his dismay to Lois over lunch at the diner, she broke it down to him. I don't know if you noticed, Clark, but Luther has this country stirred into a patriotic fervor. I've been pretty busy lately, but I've caught on to it. I just can't understand how my article has so many people upset at me. I'm not the one experimenting on orphans. I just reported on it. What? Are you not reading any other papers beside the Daily Planet? Should I be? Uh, yeah, Clark. You might want to. You may not be seeing it, but these child soldiers are being made out to be monsters. That's not fair. These kids have been manipulated. No, it's not fair, Clark. It's propaganda. You've just been missing it because Perry White has editorial standards. Oh, that reminds me. Congratulations on the promotion. It looks like Perry's tracking you to replace him. Yeah, thanks. I'm not entirely thrilled about it. I like to have my feet on the ground on the trail of a story, but Richard wants me in a safer line of work and I have to admit, he does have a point. Did he put a good word in for you with his dad? Well, obviously not. I earned my own promotions, thank you very much. Though admittedly, family dinners with Perry have definitely put me on his good side. Speaking of family dinners, I want you to save a date on your busy calendar for the end of September. Oh? Richard proposed. Oh, wow. That was fast. Well, yeah, I've been dragging my feet for a while. But that talk you and I had last year gave me a lot of perspective. I'm glad that helped. You two look really happy together. We are. He's a good guy. He's no Superman, but he does what he can to keep me safe. And you've never had his cooking. You have no idea how good it is. He's a real keeper. Though this is a really turbulent time for a wedding, don't you think? All the more reason for it. We still need things to look forward to, Clark. But don't worry, it'll be a small wedding, so be sure to save the date. I mean, if you can. I get that you're pretty busy. It's true. I may have to come and go, but I wouldn't miss it. Count me in. Already done. And I put you down for a plus one, so maybe bring a date. I wouldn't make a very good date right now, but I'll be there. Clark wasn't so sure how that was going to happen. His schedule as a reporter and leader of the Justice League left him little time for socializing. He was immersed in a global conflict. It wasn't the ideal time to look for a date either. Steve Trevor had just informed the Justice League that Task Force X, the Suicide Squad, had been discovered during a covert operation inside the capital of Kaznia. Many of them did not survive to escape. This had not become public knowledge yet, and Clark chose not to break it to Lois that day. Only hours later, after lunch, Kaznia retaliated striking their bordering neighbors and occupying their nearest territories with armies of young, enhanced soldiers. While President Luther rallied a coalition of nations to fight back against the advancing forces, Steve Trevor and Etta Candy were immediately dispatched to the Hall of Justice to implore the League to enter the war. Trevor was not enthusiastic to deliver this request. Look, I stand by what I said before. I don't want to deal with the fallout of the Justice League deciding this war, but this is coming from President Luther, so I have to accept this is out of my hands. As the princess has stated, you all should be able to snuff this out before it even starts. The members of the League sitting around the table, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Aquaman, The Flash, and Martian Manhunter, all sat in silence. 
Colonel Trevor ventured for a response. Come on, Arrow. You usually have some retort. Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow, shifted his weight in his chair. Scratching his head, he shared his blunt thoughts. I don't know, Steve. It sounds like they're setting you up to be the patsy this time. Thanks for saying it, though I promise it's already crossed my mind. But I'm not letting that stop me from following orders. How about the rest of you? Don't worry about me. What do you say? Clark brought his posture to full height. With all eyes turned on him, he began slowly, still feeling out his proposal. How about this? How about the Justice League step in and negotiate a treaty? Hearing these words leave his own mouth, Clark began to panic. What more help could he and the Justice League offer if Vandal Savage simply chose to encase him in a prison of light and radiation? Regardless of his personal worry, Clark held his composure and continued. He knew this is what the others expected from him. We can't abandon negotiations before giving them a try. Steve smiled, revealing his shining teeth. Thanks, Superman. I appreciate the proposal. I knew I could count on you. How do you want to do this? Clark went over the logistics of peace talks. Most importantly, they needed a neutral territory to meet. Finding a truly neutral country proved harder to achieve than Clark initially expected. The mountain nation of Chichiku, high in the Himalayas, offered their capital as a sanctuary to gather. Yet both Luther and Savage were quick to dismiss this proposition. Clark was just glad the Justice League's attempts at mediation were being met with any amount of consideration. Within a few days, a country was agreed upon. Bulgravia had not yet taken a side in the war. Kaznia liked that they too were an Eastern European nation. Luther was reluctant to accept their offer to host peace talks, though eventually he conceded, citing Bulgravia's efforts at neutrality. From Clark's perspective, this change of heart from Luther was only an effort to save face. With a neutral party for negotiations secured, Clark hoped this would be enough to keep Vandal Savage from using any of his powerful technology against the Justice League. Just in case, Clark paid Bruce a visit at the Batcave. Bruce was busy at work, repairing an array of custom devices he employed in his crime fighting. Young Jason Todd worked alongside him. As Bruce began to excuse himself from the table to speak with their guest, Jason looked up at Clark from underneath his brow with a cold gaze. Clark attempted to introduce himself. Well, hello. I'm Superman. Jason Todd rolled his eyes. Yeah. Obviously. Clark's brow furrowed while Jason went back to cleaning the disassembled device before him. Once away from the boy, Batman jumped straight into the conversation. I don't know what you plan to accomplish with these peace talks. Clark chuckled. Peace, for one, would be nice. There is no way Luther and Savage are going into these talks in good faith. I don't know. Maybe we'll find some common ground. I doubt it. Clark sighed, leaning against the rock wall of the cave behind him. I won't lie to you, Bruce. I have my doubts as well. This is all going faster than I would hope, and I'm doing all I can to stay out of the war altogether. That's not a luxury you can afford. Clark lifted his head and looked at Bruce. Are you suggesting we do as Luther is asking? Should we just join the war against Kaznia? I'm suggesting nothing of the sort. Then what should we do? Please, just tell me. I'd rather you just come out with your plan instead of waiting for me to think I came up with it myself. Bruce looked over to Jason, working away, then back to Clark. If a solution were apparent, I would tell you. But for now, it's better we bide our time. Honestly, that might just be all these peace talks accomplish. The longer we can drag them out, the better. 
There's always the possibility of them making matters worse. Actually, that's why I came to talk. Batman tilted his head just slightly. I'm flattered you think of me when you think of things getting worse. Ha ha, that's not what I mean. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Either way, I don't trust Luther or Savage. The chances of them not trying something seem slim to impossible. I'm hoping you and John Jones can subtly keep a lookout while the negotiations are underway. Batman crossed his arms. A lookout? For what exactly? I don't know. I just... After the missile crisis in Lubania, I'd like to have some heads up if something like that were to happen again. Almost imperceptibly, Bruce's posture relaxed. You can count on me. I'll coordinate with Jean. Between my satellite system and his telepathy, we should be able to get the jump on any long-range attacks. Thanks, Bruce. I really appreciate it. They began walking back toward the table where Jason worked. There's no need to thank me. I doubt anyone will try anything. They are called peace talks for a reason, even if they're held in bad faith. Well, it's appreciated. Either way. What's all this you're working on? Bruce sat back down at the table as he answered. Maintenance. Every few months we disassemble everything on our utility belts and clean out dust and residuals. The last thing I need is my equipment failing on me when I need it most. Can I help? Batman stopped his work again and looked up at Clark. You're welcome to try, though it takes a delicate touch. Clark scanned his eyes over the assorted pieces scattered across the table. Here, step back for a second. Jason froze and looked at Superman out of the corner of his eye. Bruce lifted a hand, signaling to Jason to do as Clark suggested. Using his heat vision ever in the slightest, Clark increased the surface temperature of the array of pieces before him. When he could see the dust and debris microscopically jittering, Clark let out a tiny yet sharp puff of air, rustling over the table and leaving all of the gear clean in its wake. Jason couldn't resist grinning. Nice! We should have this guy over more often, or at least on cleaning day. Can I go now? Bruce nodded to Jason and the boy ran off. Clark smiled, echoing Bruce's words from moments earlier. No need to thank me. Bruce met his look. Very funny, Clark. But yeah, thanks. Clark was happy to help. It was nice knowing he made a difference. He wished he could feel the same when it came to resolving this imminent war. Over the next few days, Superman brushed up on his Slavic languages while flying between Bulgravia and every other nation coming to the negotiation table. He liked the Bulgravian president. Yesen Nikolova was a funny little man with a good sense of humor. Each time he met with Superman, he was taken aback for the first couple of minutes, but soon fell back on his jovial state, joking with Clark as though they were old friends. Superman, every time I see you, I am beside myself in shock. I wish you would never go. On the day of the meeting, Colonel Steve Trevor, along with Etta Candy, met the Justice League at the Capitol building in Bulgravia. That day it was Superman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, The Flash, Green Arrow, and Black Canary. Etta looked stressed, though Steve was his usual collected self. He didn't wait before launching into the news. We have some last-minute change of plans. Neither Luther nor Savage will be attending, and frankly I think of this as a good thing. Those two are both hot-headed egomaniacs with something to prove. Clark nodded. I couldn't agree with you more. Steve Trevor gave Superman a wink and continued. So we have some last-minute substitutes. Kasny is sending some Colonel Vox, while Luther's nominated his chief of staff, General Franklin Rock. Rock's a good man. He's hard as brass and has seen some real battles. After all he's been through, the old man's not too fond of going to war. Perhaps we have a chance of making this work after all. 
Clark hoped so. He couldn't stop himself from suspecting that Luther and Savage weren't attending in an effort to avoid some secret planned attack. He put his worries aside and introduced his friends to President Nikolova. The little man stammered for several minutes before he fell back on its constant joking. Today, Bogravia is the strongest superpower in the world. We better enjoy it before you all go home. I hope you don't mind if we take some group photos. I have an election coming up. Not for another few years, but I could really use some photos to remind the people of Bogravia why they love me. Feel free to autograph anything you see. We are a very poor country. Mr. The Flash, if it is not too much trouble, I think your autograph would fetch a modest profit. We will make it our next export. Barry Allen, The Flash, joked back. Got a pen? You're gonna wish you hadn't asked that. Just then, the Kaznian ambassadors arrived, led by a familiar face. This Colonel Vox they were expecting was the same soldier that had injured Black Canary in Kaznia last year. The Colonel saw the recognition in Superman's eyes and smiled. Vox's wicked grin shifted to Black Canary with satisfaction. Clark looked to Dinah. She was clearly feeling dis-ease at his arrival. Vox did not bother to introduce himself. Instead, he stood at attention and was formally introduced by his staff. All rise for Colonel Vox, representative of the Regal Magistrate of Kaznia. Everyone in the room had already been standing. Without a word, Vox seated himself at the negotiation table along with the staff. They were over an hour early. It took President Nikolova a moment before he jovially tried to explain to the Kaznians that a banquet was being laid out in the neighboring room to be enjoyed before the meeting commenced. Vox made no effort to follow suit. When word came of General Rock's arrival, Nikolova and the Justice League met them in the banquet hall along with Steve and Etta. Clark spotted General Rock from across the room. He was a grizzled old man, fully decorated in his formal military uniform. Beside him stood a familiar face that Clark recognized from the Pentagon, Amelia Carhart. Superman took this moment to introduce himself to the general. He waved at Carhart as he approached. She returned the gesture with a curt nod before decisively taking a step back. Clark stopped in front of the general. I appreciate you coming here for this, General Rock. It means a lot to me that we all try to talk this out. Rock snapped himself to attention and saluted Superman. Doing my duty, sir. Well, thank you. I really want to find a path to a peaceful outcome. I understand you're not too fond of war either. General Rock held himself at attention. Yes, sir, that is correct, sir. Clark wasn't so sure how to engage with Rock's formality. Well, uh, thank you for your time, sir. General Rock saluted again, and Clark clumsily saluted back before excusing himself. He walked up to Wonder Woman as she began a conversation with Etta Candy. Are you alright, Etta, my dear? You've been unusually quiet, and I've noticed you've not touched your plate. Oh, I'll be alright, Diana, darling. It's just all of these changes today. It took far more organizing than it appears on the surface. Steve makes it all look so easy. Diana rested a hand on Etta's shoulder. Do not sell yourself short, Etta. I have no doubt Steve would fall apart in a few days without you. That's probably true, though he'd probably make that look easy too. The two women leaned in close, looking each other in the eye and sharing a playful laugh. Etta had not noticed Superman until then. Oh, Mr. Superman, sir. Can I get anything for you, sir? No, thank you, Miss Candy. Diana took this as her cue. I'm so sorry. I don't know how I missed this before now, but I should properly introduce you to... Kalel, this is my friend Etta. Etta blushed at this formality. Clark did the same. They both awkwardly stood scratching their heads. Oh, gosh, Mr. Superman, sir. Whatever you prefer, sir. Thank you, Miss Candy. 
The same goes for you. Diana chuckled at the two of them. How about you, Kalel? Are you all right? You have worked very hard putting this meeting together. How are you holding up? Clark relaxed his shoulders. It was rare that anyone asked him this. I'm all right, I guess. This has taken a lot out of me. I never realized how much work really goes into a treaty. I used to pride myself in inspiring peace talks, but organizing them is something else. Diana saw Clark's exhaustion. Well, we all appreciate the work you've done, Kalel. The League rarely says it, but we see it. Thanks, Diana. I hope it all amounts to something. She took his hand and squeezed it. Not long ago, I wanted to end this war with violence. I am still ready to do so, but I appreciate that we have taken this path you keep suggesting. Peace is worth striving for, even if it is not so easily achieved. You should be proud, no matter how these talks work out. Clark's heart welled in the light of Diana's admiration. He did not get to respond. The meeting was being called to order. The Kaznians were eager to begin. Wonder Woman's praise stayed with Clark. He needed to hear it. Her words became his anchor and buoy over the next five hours as the meeting slowly unraveled. It appeared Batman had guessed correctly. Neither General Rock nor Colonel Vox trusted one another in the slightest. Vox communicated strictly in writing, having his staff read his repeated accusations. He seemed intent on proving this whole meeting was a farce cooked up by Luther. Rock denied these charges, yet as they bickered, Jean Jones telepathically spoke to Clark. It seems our General Rock is not entirely being forthcoming. Most of his staff are covert operatives. They are part of a group calling themselves the Human Defense Corps. I am unable to be sure of any more. It seems they are trained in some kind of telepathic defense. Clark glanced around the room at these men. They were undoubtedly elite soldiers. There was no way the Kaznian delegates hadn't noticed this. Looking at the Kaznians, Clark began to take it all in again with fresh eyes. Colonel Vox's staff was also mostly composed of men who appeared trained to kill. Looking deeper, Clark could see these men were cybernetically enhanced. This entire gathering felt like madness. Would any of these men do anything in the presence of the Justice League? Is this why Lex and Vandal Savage had canceled? As the bickering continued, Clark resigned himself that just preventing an outbreak of violence here at the Capitol would be its own victory. President Nikolova turned out to be a valuable ally. By simply being his natural jovial self, he never lost his composure and ended up doing most of the mediating for Superman and the others. At one point, he had a box of pens brought out and gave everyone a fresh pen, handing one to the Flash personally. Clark appreciated this president's light-hearted attitude. Between his clowning and Diana's encouragement, Clark took comfort knowing that their efforts for peace weren't defined by these talks. Unfortunately, Nikolova's humor could only satiate the ambassadors for so long before they ignored him altogether. Clark watched as the meeting degenerated into yelling. Vox stopped using his notepad to communicate. His cybernetic voice rang with an abrasive distortion. In the end, both parties stormed out of the peace talks, swearing their worst on one another. As they left, Nikolova called out to them. What? Why leave so soon? We have a second, bigger banquet all set up. Stay, we'll eat, we'll drink. Then, more peace talks. When they were gone, he turned back to the Justice League along with Steve and Etta. How about you, my super friends? Will you stay and eat? We can celebrate our own peace. The group looked around at one another, and in a series of nods, they agreed. This was the best possible result they could have hoped for. Entering the banquet hall once more, President Nikolova declared, Bogravia will remain a world superpower, at least for a few more hours. 
Clark smiled and joined in the feast. Though they had done their best, he knew what was coming. Vandal Savage's army of enhanced teenage soldiers would soon be flooding over Europe and into the rest of the world. It seemed Lex Luthor was going to pull the Justice League into this war by any measure. Clark hoped they could still do it on their own terms. Thank you for listening. I'm Isaac Bluefoot. Son of L is written and produced by myself. I hope you're enjoying this audiobook and it's compelled you to share it with friends, as well as both rate and review the show on your podcatcher app. You can help me a lot time for writing and producing Season 3 by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash bluefoot. I really appreciate it. This story was inspired by the Superman and DZ comics and characters originally created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, with additional contributions by Alfred Bester, Martin O'Dell, Bill Finger, Bob Kane, Michael Doherty, Dan Harris, William Moulton Marston, Harry G. Peter, Robert Kaninger, Ross Andrew, Mort Weisinger, George Papp, Dennis O'Neill, Neil Adams, Paul Norris, Carmine Infantino, Joseph Samichson, Joe Serta, Jerry Conway, Don Newton, Martin Pasco, Joe Statton, Dwayne McDuffie, Joe Kubert, Rob Williams, and Jim Lee. Manuscript editing assistance by Trisha Reel. Music in this episode was made by Blue Dot Sessions, Beauchamp, Poddington Bear, Mellow C, Chad Crouch, Sergey Quadrado, Solaflare, David Hillowitz, and Abstracker. See the episode notes for details. For more of my work, get yourself a deck of OmenQuest cards at omenquestcards.com. A beautiful deck of cards with easy games to break the ice. And be sure to listen to the next episode. Chapter 27, The Teenage Invasion.